This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. Uh, coming up bottom of the hour, uh, we'll visit with another city councillor, John Burnside. He was one of a few councillors. I was just talking off air with Anthony Fury. We'll be in at 9 o'clock. Uh, for and with Alex Pearson. I've really enjoyed listening to both of them uh, with some back and forth, some yin and yang this week. Uh, and we were talking about bus lanes and uh, and how there's obviously an element of of believing that, hey, the less cars on the road, the better. That sounds great in, in principle, right? In theory and in principle. But I watch this all the time on the DVP going south. There is a kind of a go bus lane on the far left down the DVP, when I get on from the 401 going west and I hit the DVP and people are coming from 404 Newmarket and they hit the DVP. And there's a great stretch of, of, of road, maybe it's 600, 700 meters. I don't think it's a, it's a kilometer, but I don't think it's like 300 meters either. And the bus can zoom past you on the left side. It can use that, that side lane. And then all of a sudden it has to merge in. And everything goes right back to where it was. <laughs> a lot of congestion. I'm sure if you're sitting on the bus, it's frustrating. You're like, we, we've got a lane here. No, we don't. So um, there has to be a balancing act uh, to make this work. Speaking of balancing acts, um, and I'm going to get to our, uh, our, our topic in a little bit, but I want to remind you as well uh, of this amazing Valentine's Gourmet Getaway Weekend. It's two nights hotel accommodation at the Intercontinental Toronto Center. Dinner for two at a great spot. We want you to enter online at 640toronto.com, and it's pretty simple. Tell us why your sweetheart deserves to win. Haven't found a sweetheart? I'll give you 52 minutes. It's 8.08 right now. You got you got till the No, you've got plenty of time. The winner will be announced live on February 13th. That's the day before Valentine's, so keep the night open. It's a Valentine's Gourmet Getaway Weekend, courtesy of 640 Toronto. Again, you can go to 640toronto.com to tell us why. Um I read Robert Benzie in a column in the Toronto Star this morning, and he documents the internal discussions. He's got some well-placed. He's been covering the Queen's Park beat a long time. And uh, with great respect, he, I think, lays this out the right way. I think he lays out the idea that when it comes to gender, when it comes to the concept of going where Alberta Premier Daniel Smith went last week, which was, I'm going to lay out a stricter set of rules, but I'm going to basically paint the picture of who's allowed to do what when it comes to gender reassignment surgery and gender pronouns. And I do think we need rules. I think we need an age. I think we have to have conversations about it. You've seen a recent survey that shows most Canadians, like almost 80%, believe that at the minimum they need to be consulted. The online survey was back in the fall, and I'll remind you how it went, but 43% of people surveyed said parents must be informed and give consent if a child wants to change how they identify. How they identify. That's 43. So we're at 43 out of 100 so far. Good. 35% say, we need to know. You just have to tell us. You can't not tell us. That's 78% right there. And remember, this survey isn't all guaranteed to be parents. Maybe some non-parents participated. Maybe I'm, I'm not saying non-parents will always have a different perspective than parents. But if you know, you know. And we're at 70%, 8% already. I'm going to tell you, if they surveyed only Canadian parents, what do you think that number would be? Lower or higher? Listen, in my household, I can tell you, I'm, not, I'm no saint. Uh, I'm no angel. I didn't come from the clouds. 
but I would love my kid, listen to my kid, no matter what they told me about this. Not every household's like that. Not every household's like yours and mine. 14%, because we got to 78 out of 100, said the kid, the decision's up to the child. And parents should not be informed or have a say. And 8% weren't sure. So you've got eh, 14% out of 100 saying, leave it up to the kid. But what I always ask, and very few politicians, very few people that work in school boards, very few people, period, give me an answer and say, this is the age. This is the year. I saw a lot of criticism of Daniel Smith's policy. And I think some of the criticism is fair placed. I like some of what she said. I don't like what some uh, other parts of what she said. That's pretty normal as opposed to I love it all or what a hateful transphobe she is. There's nothing in the middle. There's nowhere to go in that sort of fleshy middle here to search this out. I want to take your phone calls on this um, because I know why Doug Ford's not wading into this. And I almost want this from a pure political strategy. I'm this is wishful thinking that we'll just keep it on political strategy. But call me at 416-870-6400. If you're Doug Ford, do you touch this issue? And I bring it up for a very good reason, and we'll play you why in just a second. But 416-870-6400, if you're the premier of the province, do you need to do anything similar to what Daniel Smith did? I like that that we have a rule. I like that, at minimum, what you can't call Danielle Smith is, is a coward. She put the, she put the ages out there. She said, this is what I'm worried about. This is who we're trying to protect. This is my perspective on this. I don't find it transphobic. I think she just believes she's doing the right thing. That does, that's, that does the very non-definition of being hateful and discriminatory. By the way, really quick before I, let, I play you what Doug Ford said about it yesterday, 416-870-6400. Um, we do this. We don't do this with abortion. When we talk about abortion and women's reproductive rights, um, some people scream murderer, baby killer. I actually think they believe that. I know they believe that they, they come at it either from a religious perspective on this, or they come at it from a fundamentalist perspective on this. And they think, especially the later you go in the third trimester, let's say they think it's murder. I don't think they want to crush women's rights because we have women who don't want to see third trimester abortions. I know those are really rare. Women saying, no, I want to limit women's reproductive rights. They think it's wrong, and maybe you don't. But what they aren't is hateful. What they aren't is sexist. What they aren't is anti-feminist. But guess what? We can have conversations about it and go, here's some nuance. Here's some balance. Um, I want to play you this from Doug Ford yesterday. He was asked this question. I think the question matters as to whether he's going to step in and create a policy that at least mimics some of the guidelines from Alberta Premier Daniel Smith. I wonder if you would comment about um, recent announcement from the Premier of Alberta. Are you considering any similar action that she's taken with regard to restricting no. surgeries or hormone treatments for trans youth? No, we're, we, we have a law here and we're, we're leaving everything alone. Well, we do have a law here. Do you know what the law is? I don't. There really isn't a law right now. The law is anybody can do anything at any time. And I'm not sure that's a law. School boards give laws for plenty of things. We have laws about piercing ears. 
We have regulations about getting a rhinoplasty or a nose job or a breast enhancement or a breast reduction. We have ages where you would allow that and then you wouldn't. And then we have societal norms that would say, I think this is okay. I don't think this is. If you heard somebody's neighbor, I'm going to say this. If you heard somebody's neighbor say, yeah, my 19-year-old, a 19-year-old on our street, mom let her get a boob job. You'd be like, you'd have a reaction to it. But if you said she was 12, how's that landing for you now? Not the same, is it? 416-870-6400. My quick thought is Ford can afford to say zero. He's good in the polls right now. He's got other fires to fight. There's no election for two plus years. But I think the more important point is no leader is pushing him on a policy. And I don't think they should. If I had Bonnie Crombie's ear for the Liberal Party or I had Marit Stiles ear for the NDP, I'd say, don't touch this right now. Let this thing marinate for a little bit. It's too hot. Let it evolve. And by the way, what if Doug Ford gets the policy right and he nails it? What happens then? Then you've called on him to do something and he got it exactly right. And that ends up being a big concern. Megan, I want to get you on before we break. You're on uh, 640 Toronto, and you go right ahead. Hi, good morning. Morning. So I think that Doug Ford is listening to the 88% of Canadians, and he should just keep on listening, and he will do well. So, but but there's no there's no rule in place. He's saying he won't do what Daniel Smith did. And I saw some people give Daniel Smith credit for saying she's going along with the will of the people, at least in her province. Doug's not doing well, that. Well, he's met with her, so clearly something's going on. Yeah, I suppose, but I don't think he's touching this legislation. Thanks for the phone call, Megan. I want to get a couple more in after the break, 416-870-6400. You're not wrong. 78% say parents have to at least be consulted. Do you think that number is going to go up? Do you think that number is going to go down? And I'm watching this landscape in Western Europe, okay, about puberty blockers. The NHS in England, in the UK, says we're not doing it anymore, except in exceptional circumstances. Sweden, a leader in trans rights, a leader in LGB rights, has said we're not doing this anymore. There's no long-term data, so we're going to press pause on this critical issue when it comes to gender reassignment before age 18. These are honest, honest, honest conversations that we're having. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. And I believe that adults should have the freedom to make any decision they want about their bodies. With minors. Yeah, but children's and medical interventions for minors as your own party members suggested. Medical sir. interventions like what? That, that, it, that is the language that your party What medical used. interventions? Well, such you would have to ask your party members. What medical such interventions? As medical, such as puberty blockers and hormone replacement. For minors? Yeah. Yes. Irreversible? You're talking about. I, 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 I don't like to understand you. Your I just want to be clear. No, I don't want to be, I want to be clear. I just want to be clear. Puberty blockers for minors. Yes. Do you agree with that? Do you agree with that? I think that we should protect children and their ability mean? to make adult decisions when they are adults. So you think only adults? Only adults should make. You said yes. Just just to be clear, you said yes. Only adults should take puberty blockers. I think we should protect children, let them make adult decisions when they become adults. Pierre Polyev, Conservative Party of Canada leader. This is Toronto Today. My name is Greg Brady. I got two quick thoughts and then back to the phone calls. Uh, one, uh, for the conehead that asked about adults taking puberty blockers, adults are past puberty. They wouldn't take puberty blockers. Did you mean other gender medication? Did you mean any kind of hormonal therapy? Puberty blockers are useful when you're going through puberty. So, again, like have at least a passing knowledge 
Like, like again, I hate digging in on, on the other members of the media. I don't know who it is, and I wouldn't name her if I knew her name. But you make us look bad and unprepared and lazy with three Zs when you can't get that straight. No, adults aren't taking puberty blockers in any country. We're talking other hormonal therapy. We got a conversation. Two, I've never heard Justin Trudeau pushed the same way on this issue in scrums like I just heard the oppositional leader. And it was Justin Trudeau and members of his government that came out and described Alberta's policy as hateful, transphobic. Kids will kill themselves as a result. That's without that's that's paraphrasing, but that's the implication. And again, I don't love the presentation of the policy. I don't love everything that's in the Smith policy. I think there's some good things and some bad things, like a lot in life, like a lot of complicated scenarios that are, no pun intended, not all binary, zero or one, one or zero. There's a lot of loose parts on this one in particular. By the way, I want to give you the contrast here, and I think this is why people are saying Doug Ford needs to say something. Here's what Doug Ford said yesterday in a news conference when asked about it. I wonder if you would comment about a recent announcement from the Premier of Alberta. Are you considering any similar action that she's taken with regard to restricting surgeries or hormone treatments for trans youth? No, we we have a law here and we're, we're leaving everything alone. Okay, but this is what he said in the fall at Ford Fest to an applauding, roaring crowd at his Ford Fest. It's not up to the teachers, it's not up to the school boards to indoctrinate our kids, to hear what the kids are doing and not the school boards. I can't even figure out what school boards do nowadays, by the way. Fine. So what are you talking about? What kind of indoctrination are we talking about? What are we specifically referring to? And again, if I had Doug Ford's ear today, I'm like, shh, nothing. Say nothing. Say less than nothing. Your polls are fine right now. No one's demanding or even asking subtly, what's your policy? Right now, Bonnie Crombie's not. Right now, Mart Stiles isn't. And I don't think they should. Let this cool right off. And get a win at the appropriate time. And they already know, they're aware, 78% say parents must be at least consulted. So I will tell you this anyway. You might have a moral perspective on this that might be different than mine. And you're like, Wild West, let kids do whatever, whenever. They're capable of making any decision at any time. You can think that. I I don't have to co-parent with you. Thank goodness. But I'm going to tell you, there's no political win to be gained here. There's zero political gain from going against 78% of people, let alone probably 95% of parents. That's where I stand. Voltaire, you're on 640 Toronto. Thanks for the call. You go right ahead. Hello. Yeah, we're here. Uh, Let me know what's up. Sorry. No worries. That's okay. (laughs) Okay, I think anybody involved in castrate kids, they're supposed to be in jail for life or hanging them. Because everyone, doctor, nurses, politicians, anybody, it's ridiculous what they're doing to the kids. They start to give the hormone for eight years old. This is crazy. Well, I think we'd agree. I think here's what I'd say. I think we'd agree. Um, I don't see the hanging coming back, but uh, hey, you're a passionate dude. Um, (laughs) I don't. I would say I also think eight is too young. I think ten is too young. I think twelve is too young. But I'm not hearing the liberal government have the courage to say that. If you just go and paint Daniel Smith with this brush in Alberta of. What a hateful transphobe. She's putting, sending kids to the grave. Life's hard enough for these. I'll buy all that stuff that it's hard. But you're not giving me your age. Should everybody be able to get it? I want to see the media 
swarm Justin Trudeau like they swarmed Pierre Polyev yesterday and say, should should 10-year-olds be allowed to take puberty blockers and stay on him? Stop buttering him up. Stop kissing up to him. Get an answer. You sure wanted an answer yesterday from the person that isn't even in a position to make policy right now. I got bones to pick with every politician, every party. You know that. I'm not an ideologue. But I'm going to tell you, what's you, you got to make what's good for the goose good for the gander sometimes. Come on. Paul, thanks for the phone call. You're on 640 Toronto, and you go ahead. Hey, how about those Jays, Greg? <laughs> That's where we're – yes, uh, pitchers and catchers report in a matter of moments, I think. Yeah. Just just to, just to throw you a curveball. <laughs> I mean, let, let's, let's, let's quote uh, 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 Premier Ford. He did say it is the law. Now, there may be some gray areas to what the law is. I get it. Leave it at 18. Kids cannot make decisions. Yeah, they want to vote at 16. No, let's leave it at 18. And was there not a time that a political party federally was consistent in messaging? They're all over the map right now. So Ford should just say it's the law. And as you just said, lay low. And, and, and go with it. I hear you. I think you got the right call on that one. I want to hustle through these. A lot of people have a lot to say, and that's why we love you. It's your radio station also. Ben, thanks for the call. You go right ahead. Good morning. You have best best show on uh, on radio, for sure. I wish you had a three-hour-long format where you could just debate these things <laughs> without interruption. <laughs> it's headed in um, that direction, Ben. <laughs> no, no, I'm pushing it I love there. that you allow people to talk rather than giving them six seconds and, and cutting them off, so sure. it's fantastic. This is, uh, first of all, the scrum. You're giving uh, the reporters way too much clout. They're idiots. They're too young. They're, they've been uh, biased. They don't know what they're talking about. The majority of them are uninformed scientifically to ask a question like that. The, like your, your previous caller said, this is protect the kids. Your brain isn't fully developed. In the optical community, your eyes aren't fully developed. They don't get full defenses until they're 25. The brain isn't fully developed until it's about mid-20s. We, we don't, you know, you have to be a certain age to get a tattoo, to drink a beer, to vote. And we're going to let people, kids make a decision to irreversibly uh, destroy the reproductive system. They can't reproduce. This is insane. And, and like your first caller said, guillot- I'm going to add to the hanging, add the guillotine to it. Doctors, teachers, any, even parents should have the kids taken away if any kid under 18 is allowed to do well, it. Well, I'm going to tell you a quick story, Ben. I want you to hang on the line for it, and it's going it, to it's gonna be quick. I had a friend of mine in high school, um, and I would tell you that I, I, I had a crush on her. She was wonderful. Um, we played tennis together. She was way, way, way out of my league. And she wanted at 17... She said that maybe she trusted me and she knew uh, she'd never date me. So she trusted me to talk to me. And she said, I want to get a breast reduction. Like a no word of a lie. She was like, it's painful when I run. It's painful when I play. I get made fun of. I want them to be smaller. But my parents won't let me because I'm 17. And I'm thinking to myself, I, that's, that, that story just occurred to me when she was 21 and in third year at Queens University, she got the reduction, Ben, and her life was better. But she also said, I'm glad I waited. Now, that's just an anecdote, but my goodness, we, uh, we, we wouldn't let a 15-year-old get a breast implant or reduction. We wouldn't even let, the, we're, we got laws about nose piercings about age. And I, I, all I want the Liberal Party to do, give me an age. Let's see if we agree on that. Maybe we'd agree with some of it, but they're being such cowards, not even giving us that. The, the Liberal Party, the federal Liberal Party, I'm going to speak federally, 
Yeah. Just look at how Trudeau and, and the NDP and so forth, they, they are the most divisive party in Canadian history. The fact to come out and start down, uh, 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 calling out the, the Conservatives for their stance when they won't take, have the balls to protect the kids is, is unbelievable. Uh, no, th- this is, uh, we got to protect the kids and it's common sense. And as far as politically for Doug Ford, if he, I think he gets the sense that if he waits long enough, the science and, and the, the media is finally going to cover the science properly. They're seeing it in Europe, like you said. I hope so. I, I hope so, Ben. I, I got to keep moving here. But to your point, yeah, I think they're being cowardly. But I also, I, I'm not so cynical to think Marcy Ian's been on our show plenty of times. She's been welcome to come on the show and talk about this issue. But she's got to lay out a number. What's the rule? We have an age of consent for a reason. I'm not saying it's exactly the same thing, but we got rules and there isn't one on this front. So we kind of need one because 11's too young for some things. Maybe it's 16. Maybe it's 14. Maybe Daniel Smith's off by a few years, but at least she had the courage, the cojones to go out and give a rule and give an age. We're not seeing that at all on the federal side. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. I I mentioned earlier how the media just swarmed Pierre Polyev um, about giving an answer on puberty blockers uh, for kids. And he says he's not for them. And then one reporter um, asked, uh, are you are you for them for adults? And like adults don't like a 30 year old doesn't need to block puberty. He or she is way gone through it. Here's the prime minister yesterday who skipped down the stairs, like he, he's kind of like I mean hustling. I'm not trying to be de- demeaning, and gave a quick answer and then ran off, and nobody said a damn thing. Here's this: trans kids are five times more likely in this country to attempt suicide. What Mr. Polyev and Ms. Smith are proposing is to take away uh, the rights of parents and their kids to make the right choices for them with their doctors. We don't think government should be doing that. Our government will always stand up for the most vulnerable, including our trans youth. Okay, and listen, don't get me wrong here. I think what the other side, if there is another side, is fighting for, they think is as important for kids as what I think is as important for kids regarding parental rights. I don't think they think um, that they're doing the opposite. I'm going to blame them for that high suicide rate that the prime minister just mentioned. But the prime minister is blaming, blaming actually the side that I agree on, that there need to be some age limits. And we might disagree on the limits for various things. Gender pronouns, um, puberty blockers, potential surgeries. We might, we might agree, disagree on all that stuff. But at least we're having a conversation. The federal liberals are, are absolutely not doing their job by not putting a number out. And they need to. Uh, John, you've been waiting patiently, and I appreciate it. Thanks for the call. You go right ahead. Hey, Greg, thanks for having me on. Sure. It's, it's John, the old guy from Pickering. All <laughs> right. So I listen to you every morning. Thank hey, you, sir. Uh, uh, you know, I just got one question. What do we do with all these young kids that are struggling with this? Nobody seems to be answering that. It's, somebody wants to guess, figure an age. Somebody wants to make a decision here and there. What are we going to do with these kids that are, you know, in this situation i think we let them identify with parental consultation and with professional consultation uh, as to the pathway to go as to how they want to identify what do they want to call themselves there can be moves towards hormonal therapy and a a gender reassignment but i just don't want to see i don't want to see a knife go into a kid before 18 i'm i i i might even have talked myself back from 16 at a certain point in time john i just think there has to be a number we have numbers again we got numbers and laws for everything and i get why 
I get why people don't want to put their political butts and other parts on the line to, to weigh in on this. But I just saw the premier of Alberta do it, and she must think it's a political winner because she's all in on this. I don't agree with everything she said either. You know what? Thank God I've never had to deal with this yeah. in my own life or in my it, kids' lives. But, you know, uh, these kids got to have some kind of a say or something has to be done that involves them. This is other people saying, well, this age or that age or, you know, not or yes. But where do the kids fit into all this? I'll I'll hang up. Thank you for the phone call and the kind words. Look, I think it's not quite the same as the age of consent for sexual activity. But that that age is 16. You have to legally you have to be able to legally agree to sexual activity at 16. You can't do it at 14. Again, I'll give you the example. Your 14-year-old son has a girlfriend. Your 14-year-old girlfriend has, uh, has a boyfriend. Maybe your 14-year-old son has a boyfriend. All good. All good in my world. But they can't start having sex, and you know that. <laughs> like, you know that. Because guess what? Then you're potentially looking someone older than 16, has, someone, has sex with someone younger than 16. I hate to spoil anybody's breakfast. It's illegal. It's statutory rape. You're, go- you're going to be a sex offender for life. So we have ages and we have roadblocks and we have barriers for every other damn thing. And all we want is something here for it. Another John. John, thanks for the phone call. You go right ahead. Greg, 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 normally I'm asking you for a beer, but this time, uh, let, let me tell you, Saturday I will be seeing you two at the Sphere, and I promise I will have many beers for me and you. You're going to Vegas the weekend of the Super Bowl? Amazing. Uh, well, I'd hate to rub it in. I'm also going to Super Bowl, but uh, you uh, I need to, we need to be better band. friends then. Okay. Hey, buddy, anytime, anytime. Listen, Greg, thank you and she, but you guys, you guys are common sense people. Don't get classified when I say the scummy media, but that other day was awful. And let me tell you a real life story. What the sick lunatic left and these cruel media members don't tell. This is a true firsthand story. We know a very beautiful family, European family, gorgeous, gorgeous kids. A couple of years back when all this nonsense started, the young girl decided, you know, I want to make some changes to my body and I want to have some things trimmed off. How old this is she again? Back then was 16. Okay. As of today, this girl hasn't left her bedroom in two years and is on suicide watch daily. And the family, the family is completely destroyed and blown apart. Where, where are the lunatic left? Why aren't they talking about these kind of cases? Well, it's an awful story, John, and I'm sorry that that's the case. And again, what I want is time, compassion a look more at, at data, therapy. Our government should absolutely be going to the wall to provide counseling, therapy, and anything else. And we should have more serious conversations. But by the way, teachers along, like again, we all think this ridiculous thing, and, and I get it, it gets portrayed this way. Teachers all think this way. No, they don't. Teachers vote for Doug Ford. Teachers vote for Daniel Smith. Teachers vote for Pierre Polyev. The union leaders may not, but they do. And they are very distinct. I told you, I grew up in an NDP household. Ed Broadbent was a god in our house. My first election, I voted for Bob Ray in 1990. No regrets about that whatsoever. So I haven't, I, I, but I'm, I'm amorphous. I move around. I take a good idea from one person or politician and I'm like, they're inspiring me. I'd go for, through a wall for that guy. I believe in what that woman says. Um, here's one from Andrew Sullivan really quick on talking about the time that a lot of these surgeries have been sped up to. He's a gay activist and he's been a 
friend of the trans community, but they've now turned on him because he says, hey, how about some time, some compassion, some understanding, some responsibility, a look at the data. That's all he wants. And now he's the most hateful human being on the planet. Have a listen. It's partly because the medical world was not public or very open about the policies it was pursuing. People were not quite aware that this was going on to the extent that it has been. And so people are naturally a little shocked. Uh, But the truth is this therapy, which was developed in the late 90s in the Netherlands, uh, which is the idea that you block children's puberty when they feel discomfort around puberty, and then you wait a little bit, and then you give them cross-sex hormones to become the other sex, um, was really an experimental regimen. There are no long-term clinical trials of puberty blockers on children, none that have been shown to look at the long-term effects. Okay, so we don't have a look at those things. I'm not going to tell you hormonal therapy. It's a really important part of transgender health care, which is something, again, I'd love to see the Ford government talk more about and say more about. Unfortunately, we've got a health minister in absentia in Sylvia Jones. I could go for hours and you've heard me before. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. I don't know if you know a Toronto Islander. You may know a Toronto Islander. I One of the unique things about this job is sometimes you text with people who text the show and then you get to know them. And I now know a couple Islanders I didn't know, but I didn't know. And this is thanks to our next guest. Uh, I did not know that they were paying far less property tax than homeowners on the mainland. Uh, Something was put to city council uh, yesterday about this and uh, it didn't make the agenda, but there's still an opportunity to move on this. Councillor John Burnside joins us right now on Toronto today. A, it's great to have you on. B, I think this is fascinating because this goes, this is about a law that will go almost to, to the year to the next century this is a law that's been on the books for the past 30 years but the islanders have it pretty good in terms of a tax rate john oh they have it very good not only in terms of the tax rate but in terms of the service they actually have four designated firefighters 24 uh, 7 they have two designated ems their ferry ride is subsidized so it costs them a thousand dollars for an annual pass whereas if you were taking the ttc and had a metro pass it would cost you about $1,700 a year. So there are a lot of benefits. And, hey, they have a lakefront view as well. I'm okay with all that. Mm-hmm. My issue is that, on average, they pay about $1,500 in property tax, whereas the average, to your point, homeowner in on the mainland pays about $4,500. And then, you know, mm-hmm. when we're asking uh, Torontonians to pay an extra, not, I'm not personally, but when the mayor is asking Torontonians to pay an extra 9.5%, I think we need um, we need to make sure there's total fairness in the system and certainly a perception of fairness. Yeah, I mean, there's about 600, 700 people on the island, but let's say let's say for the sake of argument, John, there's 600 taxpayers and they're all paying another $2,000. Now we found a million point two dollars, $1.2 million that we didn't have before for the city. Well, exactly. And there are a lot of community initiatives. Councillors are always uh, talking about community initiatives and neighborhood improvement areas. So let's put your, uh, it's time to put our money where our mouths are. But for me, it's not even about the 1.2 or 1.5 or whatever that number turns out to be. I was just asking for a report back from staff. But it's about, once again, this perception of fairness. And I I was just shocked at the number of councillors, mostly on the left side of the aisle, that um, wouldn't put it on the agenda 
And it, to me, it was really like they were bending over backwards to um, to support privilege. Um, bus lanes are going to be a uh, an interesting topic. You're one of three counselors um, to either at least you know know more about it, or look at more data, or look at what other international cities are doing. Um, what's the biggest reason for hesitancy in terms of bus lanes, and specifically in, in areas and especially roads where we get a lot of gridlock and a lot of slowdown? Well, yeah. So the, the, it's a it's a pretty far-reaching program, Rapid TO, because they're looking at 20 additional roadways citywide. And where you have three lanes in each direction, okay, I get it. But when you're looking at somewhere like Victoria Park, the area I represent, um, at least on the west side of that, where it's only two lanes in each direction, that's very problematic. Uh, not only for the traffic going up and down Victoria Park, but for the neighbors uh, adjacent to to the street, because then traffic starts cutting through and you're creating a whole host of other problems that we have to deal with and that residents have to deal with. And I don't think they should. Yeah. Are, are there specific areas where you would say even I was talking to a couple of counselors about it and they're like, I love the idea during rush hour, um, just to how we aren't allowed to turn left at certain spots on rush hour, how high occupancy vehicle lanes work. Are there areas where you like at least a modified uh, perspective might work, but we can't have it 24 seven. We can't have the bus lanes 24 seven because it'll slow people up. Yeah. So I take a little bit of a different approach because to me, uh, it's not really an issue off hours. The time that it is the issue is during rush hour, which is when traffic gets. So you'd want the opposite. Buses are fine on the weekends, give them their own dedicated lane Saturday at two o'clock. But Thursday at 5 p.m. is a different story. I, I misunderstood that. Yeah. But yeah. Well, the impact is, is minimal to residents. My bigger issue are the roads there of which they're looking at. You know, they say Don Mills Road, where it's three lanes in each direction, a six lane uh, highway. That's fine. But when it's only when you're actually effectively cutting down traffic to one lane in each direction, then drivers look to cut through neighborhoods. And there's absolutely no plan to deal with that. Um, before you go, a lot has been said and a lot's been debated about the, the police budget. Um, you're a former law enforcement officer. Do you think there can be movement on this or do you think Olivia Chow's, you know, sword is in the is in the sand pretty tight right now and, and she ain't going to budge? What, what do you see? Well, I think the sand is pretty loose. I think that, you know, she does have to appeal to her base, which generally uh, are, I won't say necessarily all anti-police, but definitely have uh, reservations and quite often like to reduce their funding. I think there are a lot of councillors at City Hall who want to see that 12 million come through and are prepared to do the work that I don't necessarily think the mayor's office is prepared to do for political reasons more than anything. So if I were a gambling person, I'd say it's about 60-40 that we get that 12 million. Mm, interesting. Hey, John, uh, maybe we can uh, reset next week when uh, when those debates are going on. I appreciate you coming on the show. And always, thanks for having me. John Burnside.